Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. In particular, I'm highlighting our Volume 1 series. We are doing a new podcast feed with the first three seasons of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio and reposting them in original listen order. Currently, we are are to season two, which will feature such programs as Nero Wolf and The Thin Man and Barry Craig Confidential Investigator. Right now, we are only posting one episode per day, so it's a great time to get on board and to catch up on the entirety of Volume 1. You can check that out over at volume1.greatdetectives.net. We've got all of Season 1 and getting into Season 2 now. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of I Hate Crime, and this one is Episode 44. Original air date, 1950. Let's go ahead and listen. I was driving through the city, being careful not to hit any of the sheep. At St. James, of course, I had to stop to let a whole flock go by. While I was waiting... Hey! Hi, sport! These seat cushions ain't comfortable. My sudden passenger was that celebrated cab, truck, tram, and bus jumper, Lucy Kelso. She wore an old army coat, army shoes, a sun visor. She wore her hair... Well... All right, sport, come on, come on, move your way through the mob, blow the horn. All right, if you want... Hey, stop that. Hey, get away from that horn, do you want to get me pinched? Move aside, Muggs, let us through! Come on, get this heap out of here, unless you want me to shift those gears okay, for Okay, okay. That's better. Uh, which way are you going, Lucy? Home. Well, if home's on the way, I'll drop you in. You're coming in with me. Look, you've got yourself a ride. Fine. Now, let it go at that. Don't force me to hand you over to a cop. Cop? <laughs> I know all the cops. All the magistrates, too. Nice blokes. But I hear you don't get along very well with them. Kent? Well, fame at last. I know who you are. And I've been waiting to see you. I have business with you, Kent. Important business. Well, you sound almost... Normal? <laughs> sure. But I really am. Normal businesswoman. Now, take me home and I'll tell you all about it. Turn left at the next corner. And so, ten minutes later, I was sitting in a comfortable chair in a Paddington apartment. Here's your drink. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, good luck. <coughs> now, you're surprised, aren't you? Flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah, I should have gone on the stage. Well, from what I've seen so far, you'd have been a great actress. I am a great actress. During the past 20 years, I've established a character that's known to everybody in Australia, even overseas. I don't get it. I... Well, it started as a joke. I wanted to see how far I could get by dropping all conventions. Then I began having so much fun that I kept it up. After a while, 
People believed in me as a mad character. By then, I... You won't believe this, but I... I just couldn't let them down. You couldn't let them down? Well, they believe in me. It makes them happy to talk about me, to read about me in the newspapers. <laughs> well, how about the taxi driver? Oh, they're good mates. They complain when I get into their cabs, but later on they brag about it to their mates. And the tram conductors? And with all the things they've got to contend with, Kent, I'm no trouble at all. The fact is, most tram conductors have a real good sense of humor. And the magistrates you appeared before? Oh, good blokes, mainly. A little stiff sometimes, though. Like they're afraid to laugh, you know. Another drink? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, best of scotch, too. The best of everything, Kent. You should see some of the clothes I have in that wardrobe. Well, do you ever get a chance to wear them? Oh, yes. I take a holiday twice a year. Lucy Kelso just disappeared. But a Mrs. John Ralston, wealthy widow, turns up at Surface Paradise or Tasmania or New Zealand. Last year I went to England. Had a wonderful time. That's the nicest man. What you think? Thanks. Well, uh, to the great impersonation. May it go on forever. That's why I brought you here, Kent. To help me keep it going. Oh? Somebody knows about me. Here, a letter I received. Hmm. Lucy Kelso. You're a fake, and I know it. Get 5000 in cash together... Or I'll let the newspapers know about your racket. You'll hear from me again. No signature. Looks like a man's handwriting. Yes, he's probably working with her. Her? Millie Marshall, my downstairs neighbor. More than once I've caught her looking through the keyhole. The other day things were disarranged in here as though someone had been uh, looking around. I see. Yeah, that lock wouldn't be too hard to open. So you suspect this Miss Marshall, huh? I don't only suspect her. I know she's in it. Yeah, you got any proof? Just the look she gives me? Oh, if you mean courtroom proof, I don't want any of that. If this ever gets into court, I'm finished. Look, please believe me, Mr. Kent. I'm not worried about myself. I could always get along. The man in England, for instance, he wanted to marry me. Well, why didn't you marry Hard to explain it. I give people some laughs. They see me and... Well, suddenly some spice is added to their lives. Well, this is a hard life and laughs are important. That's the only reason I can give you for keeping it up. I think I understand. What do you want me to do? Help me. By investigating Millie Marshall. Well, what does she look like? Well, I suppose you'd call her pretty. Is she smart? Do you think I could tailor without being spotted? That's the trouble. She's intelligent. She knows what's going on, especially in the underworld. She'd probably recognize you as Larry Kent. Mm. Well, this is going to be an expensive assignment, Lucy. Yep. 150 in cash. Thanks. That be enough? Yeah, it'll do fine. Good. For the time being. Oh. I left. Later, I was sitting on a rickety chair in a dim apartment. Yeah, so uh, you want me to follow his Sheila named uh, Millie Marshall, eh? The guy was Sammy the Sneak, a skinny little weasel who specialized in tail jobs. Well, uh, you come to the right bloke like Kemp. Uh, uh, you want somebody watched? Uh, Sammy's the boy to watch him, you know me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a name and address. That should be enough for you. 
well, uh, <laughs> uh, not quite uh, oh, uh, here. Uh, I, uh, Fire. Well, uh, well, look at the. It's like this. Look, uh, I'm a, I'm a highly specialized, like uh, expert, Kent. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know where things have changed lately. Like uh, pensions, basic wages have gone up, and the uh, doctors' fees, and so. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, look, it's like this, and, and keeping with the upward uh, general spiral, uh, yeah. Here, another fiver. <laughs> the entertainment's worth it. Uh, I'll expect a report at ten tonight. I'll be in my apartment. Yeah, right, right, I can't be, uh, you know me. And stay off the rum. While I'm working, uh, you know me, can't. Yeah, stay off. Right, all right, all right, I'll give you my solemn word. You'll be hearing from me at uh, ten shop. <laughs> My wristwatch said ten after ten. Hey, there, Kenny, all night, all night, all night. I look, uh, Kenny, all night. Uh, this, this is uh, Sammy the Snake, yeah. Oh. Where are you? Uh, I, uh, I am now at the uh, Camellia Club. How many rums have you had? Oh, one and two, Kenny, one and two, one and two, one and two, yeah. Yeah, now, Mike. Where's I'm... Millie Marshall? Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, it's like this. The, uh, my tail job expert, I am. Never was true of us. Never, never, in all of my experience, anybody come along. To... Get to the point, you little weasel. Uh, Out uh, with it. What happened to Millie Marshall? What? What have you told her about me? About you? Very soon. I walked across the dance floor of the Camellia Club, looking for Sammy. He wasn't at the table. He wasn't under the table. He was on the floor, dancing with a dream. What do you know about the dream, Sammy? I could go on listening to you all night. Ah, oh, thanks, honey. Well, look, uh, look. Uh, there was a time when the when the police commissioner, uh, police commissioner himself, he asked me to see him, like, uh, yeah, like to get some advice from me. See me now on what I do. Well, look, uh, I told him what he wanted to know. Real quick, snapping out the words in my usual way, and then he said, Scram. I? Well, Shut up. I don't, I don't, I Oh, I beg your pardon, Kendra. Blow, Sammy. Now, I ain't used to being talking. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to pinch like that. Oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Say, I? But I can't dance by myself, so why not? Why'd you have to break that up? Oh, he's too short for you. He's very amusing. I was having a lot of fun with him, Larry. Uh-huh. That saves me an introduction. Now, if you tell me your oh, name... Oh, please don't insult my intelligence. I know my way around. I know that Sam is a shadower. It's obvious that you hide him. Now, where do we go from me? 
Okay, so we're in the open, Millie. Your move? Well, I like the moves I'm making right now. You're reflecting the pictures of my corsage. That's lovely corsage. In fact... Thank you. It's my pleasure. I do a compliment, but some of the time, yeah? Business, huh? If you don't mind. Okay. You were seen going into Herbie's department store. A fur coat disappeared. I was hired by the management of the store to make discreet inquiries. Suppose I told you that I hadn't been to Herbie's in two or three months. Well, then I'd say that the management made a woeful mistake. You sure that's why you had him shadow on me? Well, the manager of Herbie's signed the retainer check. Good-sized one, too. How about, uh, you helping me spend some of them, huh? I don't mind at all. Fine. But that doesn't mean I trust you. Oh, a dame like you shouldn't trust anybody. Shall we go to the table? All right. We did some drinking. She had a start on me, naturally, having had to loosen Sammy the Sneak's tongue. After half an hour or so, Millie was getting silly. <laughs> oh, it's been a wonderful night. First a little sneak artist, now a private detective. Yeah, your company's improving all the time. You know, I like you. Even though you are a copper. Uh, a private copper. <laughs> I like you more all the time. Great. The night's still young. Take me home before it gets too old. Ah, there's a look in your eye, Millie. Naturally. Come on, man. So I paid the bill and we left. Outside, I looked for a cab. There's no chance of getting a cab down the street. Okay. Oh, hold on my arm, Larry. I'm a bit busy. Sure. I better hold on to you. Tight. Lily. The guy had stepped out of the shadows. He was as big as a truck and twice as ugly. Been waiting for you, Millie. Meet Larry Kent. Hi. He's a private detective. You've heard of him, haven't you? Yeah. He hired Sammy the Sneak to follow me. He did, did he? Let go of my arm, Millie. Hit him. A pleasure. <laughs> Got up from the cold sidewalk, headed home. Without giving you the boring details, I finally got to bed. Next morning, at half past nine, I paid one of my rare voluntary visits to police headquarters. Along the corridor, down the steps, into the fire room. Yeah. Hi, Murray. What are you doing down here? A guy's face is etched into my mind. I want to see if there's a duplicate in your files. Now, you're not even allowed in here. Yeah, this was a real big guy. I've got an idea I'll find him. Kent, you can't go through these files. Yeah, I know I can't. Come on, get out of here before you get me into trouble. But Murray, you're supposed to be a friend of mine. Sure, but this is... this. Uh, well, be quick about it. I was. It took me 15 minutes to find the big guy's battered pan... Name, Gus Mastoid. Eight convictions that went right up the scale. Twelve years behind bars. Habitat, 
the underworld jungle with a preference for wine bars. So... Well, buying me a drink, are you? Yeah, that's right. Charlie? Huh? A special. A double special. Okay. Uh, and you, mate? A uh, small sherry, uh, not the stuff you mix with paint. Uh, nice uh, <clears throat> sort of place. Yeah. Mm. Now, why'd you buy me a drink? Well, you see... It ain't because I'm beautiful. Because I ain't. Okay, I'll come straight to the point. I'm looking for a guy named Gus Mastoy. Why? What's the difference? I'm looking for him. Hmm. Hmm. You know, a cop. Cops don't buy drinks. They don't offer uh, little presents like this, either. Too quick. I, um, I don't know that much about Gus Mastoy. Well, what do you know? Well, he spends most of his time these days at the Grenadier Arms, the saloon bar. And that's where I was, five minutes later. The barmaid had a wise look on her face, drugstore hair piled high, and she wore a black satin dress a size too small for a figure, but just right for her purposes. What'll it be? Midi. Nice day? Yeah, if it don't rain. Just about murder you at the tiv. Here's your beer. Well, that's the only white collar I see in this joint. Well, if you don't like it, you... But I do, I do. Here, buy yourself some perfume with the chain. Thank you, sir. I'll put some more beer in your glass if you like. No, this is fine. Haven't seen you here before? First trip. Hope it isn't the last. Her eyelids fluttered like awnings in a gale. She went to the cash register, made some change, dumped a handful of coins into a glory glass, took care of another customer, rumbled her way back. Living close by? Near enough. I uh, just got off a boat and I'm looking for a friend. Maybe you know him. What's his name? Gus Mastoy. Oh, why, I... Uh... You know him? Well, uh... I've heard the name. Oh. You figure I'm a cop, huh? Not with that accent. But you feel you should protect your customers, huh? Well, barmaids are like that. But I'm not saying I know Gus. No, you're not, but, uh... Would this make you say it? Fiver? Yeah, Gus is a really good friend. It's, it's worth a fiver to know where he is. Well, I was never the kind to disappoint a guy when he's looking for his best friend. Uh, slip it to me so nobody sees it. There you are. Thanks. Well? He lives on River Street. Mm-hmm. I know that because he sort of uh, invited me up for a cup of tea whenever I'm not doing anything. Oh. Of course, I didn't take the invitation. The girl has to watch her. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the number of the house? 212. <laughs> Yeah, what is it? This! He went right back to the opposite wall, shook his head, and I stepped in. 
He stared at me for a few seconds. You're Kent. Uh-huh. So you want to play? He was a willing playmate, sir. When he lacked in science, he made up for with enthusiasm. I did a lot of ducking. Saw an opening. Went for it. Sitting down, he shook his head again. Tried to get to his feet, but my foot was in the way. Get me, will you? Yeah. My hands hurt. I'll murder you. A rabbit punch. (laughs) This time, he, he just lay there. I looked around. Found some very interesting items. Gus was still out. There was a milk bottle on the table. So... Yeah, wipe the milk out of your eyes, Gus, and have a look at this. Letters. And these rolls of films. Very naughty films, Gus. Give me that. Uh, uh, uh. I'll pull you apart. You want the foot again, Gus? Huh? No? Fine. What? What's your angle? I want to protect a client. A client you and Millie Marshall are trying to blackmail. So I'd like you to write me a little letter, Gus. No, not me. No? Well, let me read uh, one of these letters. The ones you had ready for the post office. Dear Max, am sending you the hottest movies you ever did see. Careful the cops don't get wind of this. They're so hot that the carrying charge is 25 quid a go. Signed, Gus. Yeah, the cops would uh, would like this letter. And the others, Gus. Especially if the films went with them. Well, what do you want? Here's a pen. Here's a piece of paper. Well, I won't write nothing. Then I see the cops. With your record, Gus, it'll be mighty hard on you. Now, I'll give you five seconds. One. Long Bay, Gus. Two. Maybe they'll declare you an habitual criminal. Three. Oh, okay, okay. What'll I write? Dear Lucy Kelso, this is to inform you that I admit having tried to blackmail aye, you. Aye, aye, not so fast. I finally got the letter from him. In it, he admitted having tried blackmail, and he mentioned Millie Marshall as his accomplice. It was a letter that would send both he and Millie up for some time to come. Now do you leave me alone? Yeah. Yeah, so long, Gus. Hey, hey, those letters, the films. Oh, they stay in my safe, Gus. In case you try something cute. I'll see you again, Gus. Maybe we'll be in the dark alley. And then you dirty... Cut! You wouldn't want to hear what he said. Not much later. You! Yeah! <coughs> now, don't ever try to close the door on a guy used to sell insurance, honey. Now that I'm inside... I'll close it. Get out of here. Get out? Oh. <laughs> well, when you've got that beautiful mood music on the record player... I'll scream. Then the cops would come. That's just what I want. But then they'd see this letter. Look at it closely, Millie. Ah, uh-uh, no, don't get too close. Now, as you can see, it's in Gus's handwriting, and uh, he admits... Oh, the double-crossing... Give me that! Ah, uh, uh, Millie, don't snatch. 
Give me it, Larry. Oh, well. What a nice little automatic. The letter. Or I'll take it after I drop you. I wonder if you would press that. Take one step and you'll find out. Go on, Larry. Well, I don't like the odds. Here you are. Grab it, Kent. No! Drop it, Millie. Drop it. That's the girl. Here you are, Lucy. A letter for you. Ah. Thanks, Kent. Thank you, Lucy. I'll get you for this, Kent. And I'll get back at you, too, you old... Hey! Old what, eh? Old what? Come on, come on, old what? Speaker! Speaker! Cut this log! No! No! Now, I'm giving you three seconds to change your opinion, love. I'm an old what, eh? You... You're a sweet old thing. Come on, a little more, a little more. Then I... I think you're beautiful. Well, keep on thinking it. And if you so much as look at me crossways from now on, I'll give you a going over that'll make the Burns-Johnson fight look like a slow waltz. Out of my way, kid. I've got to catch a tramp. Life in Sydney is still the same these days. Lucy Kelso catches her trams or buses or trucks or cabs or anything that moves. Me? Larry. Yep. Life is still the same. Good night. Welcome back. Well, an important moral of this story is to never call an Australian woman a stinker. I did not know it was that big a deal, but Lucy has taught us otherwise, so be warned. I actually like the whole concept of Lucy and why she did what she did. Essentially, it was her decision to keep doing this because communities need their local characters. It gives them flavor and it made people happy, which of course makes the blackmailers even more loathsome. I did also like Larry saying cut. A bit of fourth wall breaking to protect listeners from language that the network censors would doubtless not approve of. Now we do turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a comment here from Australia from the Twitter account of the show. 89.7 PBAFM in Salisbury, South Australia. And uh, they write, have to thank you for bringing this to our ears. Australian radio shows of yesteryear, even though it feels clunky at times compared to many of the American shows of the same era, are so rare. Well, thanks so much, and it really is fun to uh, be able to bring I Hate Crime to you. I will say that there's not quite as much... Uh, 
Australian radio out there as there is American radio. But there are some interesting programs out there. I think one thing that Australian radio did really well at uh, were serializations. Other than for soap operas or juvenile programs, I think American radio moved away from heavily serialized stories as you went through the late 1930s into the 1940s. I don't think Australian radio really uh, slowed down, and they did some really good uh, serialization. Uh, this past year, I've listened to the George Edwards serialization of Les Miserables. I thought that was a pretty good production. And I, I'm a huge admirer of the Major Keen series. No relation to Mr. Keen Tracer of Lost Persons. Major Keen is a completely different character. And 26 Hours is just a fantastic story. With a really good premise, uh, because... It, the serials would be 104 episodes long. And uh, while the length of the actual drama was 12 minutes, it usually air in a 15-minute time slot. So with a name 26 hours, we're getting a sort of real-time story where Major Keen was working his way through an adventure in Berlin at the height of the Cold War. Now, many of these serials are not floating around on the internet, although the George Edwards version of Jekyll and Hyde is, and the George Edwards version of Les Miserables is available at RadioArchives.com for sale, a lot of big serials uh, were produced by Grace Gibson Radio Production. And that company has continued on in selling the old radio programs, GraceGibsonRadio.com. There are a lot of tantalizing programs there. Uh, they were one of the chief syndicators of Australian radio programs, and so they actually have a lot of full serials, as well as half-hour programs. There's a lot there. I will say that the website's perhaps not the best, and the cover art in particular is not all that inspired. It seems like more generic uh, pictures that might confuse some uh, listeners as to where this story is actually set. But there are things I would be curious in picking up and listening to over there, particularly the American programs plus the serialized uh, Philip Marlowe Investigates. So I think Australia does have some interesting uh, programs in its radio heritage, though its strength does tend not to be in the half-hour programs. Thanks so much for the comment. And then Jenny asked a question uh, regarding a recent episode. Could someone tell me what an SP man is? That's how the victim made his money. I did some research on this, because I had heard it, but then I kind of forgot about it when I was getting into my post-episode commentary. But an SP man is uh, an illegal off-course operator, also known as a starting price bookmaker. And uh, the website I found noted the term SP is also used by racing officials to declare the official starting price of a horse. So essentially an SP man would be an Australian bookie. From what I'm understanding, if there's additional insight, I would be happy to have that corrected. Uh, thank you so much 
Appreciate the comment, Jenny. And now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Lance Dawn, Patreon supporter since January of 2022, currently supporting us at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. A reminder that you can make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast with your favorite podcast software, whether it's Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify, or Amazon Music at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back next Tuesday with another episode of I Hate Crime. But coming up tomorrow, listen in for Steve Mitchell and Dangerous Assignment, where... I see the two of you have already met. Well, not officially. This is Trifless. I delighted. And what do you wish of Sarita, Mr. Mitchell? A uh, little information about your dead boyfriend, Yusuf. Many men are in love with Sarita, Mr. Mitchell. It is a pity, but it is fate. Yusuf was merely one of them. I see. Well, was it fate that killed him? I do not understand. How did it happen? It was during my dance. I heard sudden shouts... And the lights went out. Mm, such a pity. I might have saved Yusuf had I acted more quickly. What do you mean, Trefless? Well, I was standing over at the bar when the fighting started. But just as I got to Yusuf, the lights went out and there he was, lying on the floor with a knife in his back. Such a pity. He was a very dear friend of mine. I miss him greatly. Did uh, Yusuf ever mention his job with a five-star to you, Sarita? No. Sarita is not interested in such things. Oh, what sort of things is Sarita interested in? Her beauty. Modest little Daisy, aren't you? Modesty is for the unlovely. <laughs> is she not completely charming, Mitchell? Well, that's one word for it. Uh, this fight that killed Yusef took place four nights ago, right? Mm, let me see. If, uh, yes, yes, that is correct. I remember because the next morning I made a business trip to the coast. What kind of business are you in, Trentless? Mm, several little enterprises. This trip involved one of them, a truck line which I operate. What do you haul? Oil. From here in Marani to the town of Khatif on the Persian Gulf. Hmm. You don't haul for the five-star oil company by any chance, do you? Well, as a matter of fact, yes. They are one of my accounts. I see. Oh, thanks for the conversation, Sarita. Trifless. It was very interesting. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.